Welcome to the CDM Podcast, a production of Contagious Disciple Making. We exist to catalyze movement, community, and communication. We created this podcast to help everyday Christians to become world-changing disciple makers. I'm Paul Watson, and this is Rebecca Ewing, and you're listening to the CDM Podcast. Like, share, five-star rate, and review this podcast. You can download the CDM app. Come join the growing platform where you can access our praying community of disciple makers and learn from our podcasts, blogs, and videos that will help you know how to make disciples in your life and ministry. While you're on there, you can support this podcast by following the link to our Patreon. Your support allows us to continue to offer and create new content and support disciple makers like you as you transform your communities with the gospel of the kingdom. And as a thank you, those who give at least $5 a month will have access to our premium content that dives even deeper into the challenges and tips for disciple making. The following is a portion of our Giving Tuesday live event, where Paul and Rebecca chatted with disciple makers from around the world. For more information on partnering with CDM, go to ContagiousDiscipleMaking.com slash partner. Super excited to be able to talk with you guys and introduce you to some of my friends people that I've met with and worked with over the last few years and in the process of uh, creating disciples and investing in disciple makers who can make disciples, who can make disciples and make disciples and so on and so forth. So super excited to be able to jump in here with you and introduce you to those friends and everything. Now, this may be the first time that you've had a chance to really learn about contagious disciple making. Perhaps you were just stopping by a stream or perhaps you got an email or a text message from a friend. And I just want to tell you, welcome. Contagious Disciple Making, I started it a few years ago, uh, quite frankly, because God looked at me and he said, Paul, you've been a part of catalyzing disciple making movements all over the world. You've trained teams of disciple makers all over the place. Now, why aren't you using what I taught you to, to reach the people here in the United States, people who wouldn't go to church to find the answers to their hardest questions, their most meaningful questions, the questions about why are they here and is there a God and how do I get connected with him? That's what I want you to do. And so I started Contagious Disciple Making with that in mind, wanting to sit there and take the principles that I had learned from working all over the world that I'd seen my father developed uh, as he catalyzed a movement among the Bhojpuri in northern India and applying those in a North American context. And then as we started looking at working within a complicated Western society, what does it look like to reach all the different kinds of people that live within our cities? What does it look like to work with an established church, a legacy church, in order to help disciple making happen? And so that's one of the reasons that we uh, ended up coming on to developing contagious disciple making and moving into coaching and moving into mentoring and various things like that in order to come alongside uh, alongside people just like you in order to make disciples to who make disciples who make disciples and then together we could see a movement transform the very way that that we do life here in the United States and so that's the focus of everything that we're doing with contagious disciple making how do we do that well we connect with individuals who sit there and say, hey, I, I've read about movements somewhere. I've heard about it. I've seen it on a video. I've read a book or whatever. And I want to be able to do that with you. And we connect people into coaching groups and begin to help them learn what it means to apply things that worked in other countries within their own context. What does it mean to mobilize prayer? What does it mean to uh, engage with scripture? What does it mean to and do all of those various things? And so that's, that's what we're all about at Contagious Disciple Making, to figure that out and then to establish a community of people that will support them as they get started. Now, I can't do this alone. I do this with a team of people uh, that are dedicated to making this task happen, some of which you'll see today. I have Rebecca here. She's the CEO of Contagious Disciple Making and leads with me and coaches alongside with me to help people apply these movement principles within their context. And then we have a bunch of other people who operate behind the scenes in order to make shows like this happen and to manage our social media and develop resources and invest in our app. And if you have not downloaded our app yet, you should go to Contagious Disciple or search for Contagious Disciple Making either on the iPhone store, the Apple store, the Amazon store, download it to your device so you can have a full library of, very, of resources that can help you start the uh, disciple making movements. 
So, uh, and everything. So Rebecca, we're going to be talking with some of our foreign partners that we have that are, have been starting their journeys over the past uh, couple years and really being able to apply disciple making into their foreign mission fields in Israel and, and also Slovenia. And also we'll be referring to a couple of our other partners who unfortunately couldn't make it with us today. One in Guinea and one in, uh, Senegal that are all working to create cross cultural teams. So in other words, uh, teams that have not just outsiders, you know, not just missionaries coming in, but also working with local believers or local people in order to be able to reach the the people around them and how that has just accelerated their particular work, uh, their particular group. We're going to be talking now with a with our partners. Uh, that is, uh, you know, going to be Justin and then also Kevin. So, uh, guys, why don't you go ahead and come on in? So, welcome, welcome. So, uh, Kevin and is in Israel from Israel, and well, that well, he's in Israel. <laughs> he's Not at the dead. moment. <laughs> uh, well, he he works in Israel. There's there, there we, go. we go. And and then also we have Justin who works in Slovenia. Both are uh, cross cultural missionaries into their particular fields. Welcome, gentlemen. Good to see you. Thank you. Likewise. Great to be here. So, guys, I'd love to be able to just, uh, first off, just give us a little bit of a snapshot of yourself and what's kind of brought you here to the point of here today and that. Well, we'll start with uh, Kevin and then we'll go to Justin. Go ahead, Kevin. Thank you. Thanks, Rebecca. Thanks, Paul. It's great to be with you all and um, wish you the best with everything today. Thank you, Kevin. Yeah. I, I moved to Israel. Um, about a year and a half ago as part of a uh, doctoral work for my research. And um, the more time I spent there and the more problems that I saw in the region regarding peace and justice, uh, my conviction that only the kingdom of God could bring peace or justice grew. Um, and as I tried to seek the kingdom of God more and more, I came to see that uh, nothing short of a disciple-making movement would really make a material difference, uh, a lasting difference. So that is why I ended up seeking coaching and taking a course with you all and um, have loved everything I've learned. Uh, they, thanks so much, Kevin. It's it's good being able to get to know you. You're someone that has uh, we've gotten to know over this past year and in that. And it's so interesting that you talk about the kingdom and only a movement can can bring that, you know, and that's one of, I think something, again, I mentioned this from the last time, but I want to mention again that, that I talked with Paul just a few, few times ago. I think that we have come to the place where we don't believe that whole families and whole communities can come to know Jesus or whole landscapes can be changed. We And so we're like, we'll just save one or two people out of it. And that's about as good as we can expect. No, we believe that and, and it has happened and can happen and is happening around the world where we're seeing whole communities, whole um, whole family groups coming to know Jesus. And so we want to be able to be a part of that as well. So, Justin, why don't you know, you're someone who we have uh, been on this journey with a couple years now. And so uh, why don't you get tell our viewers a little bit about yourself? Yeah, thanks. So my wife and I were from Midwest uh, U.S. And to make a long story short, we are <laughs> we were working in the U.S. with a, a campus ministry and the opportunity came um, from within our organization to come to Slovenia. And so we came here primarily um, with the focus of, of young people, high school, university students. Um, we've been here about eight years. And somewhere, you know, <laughs> I came as I still am. I'm sure God is still working on me, pride. Um, but I came here as a prideful young missionary thinking, oh, man, we, we know what to do. And we're going to implement what we've been doing in the U.S. And it's going to be amazing. And everything is just going to take off and people are going to come to Christ and they just, they, they're waiting on us. We're God's special gift. And that's not what happened. Um, so <laughs> we've, we've been here, like I said, about eight years. Um, a lot has changed in those eight years. A lot has changed in us. Um, so that's, that's a little bit about our journey. Um, 
And, and, you know, Justin, I think I remember, you know, you stating that, that when you first came to us, it was kind of like at the edge of like burnout and just saying, I, but Hey, I really actually think that was at the edge of something new because that's when we, you started applying disciple making methods to the things that you were doing and uh, working alongside that. I think that's the question that I would have is that Justin in the, you know, you're, you're here, you are missionary in Slovenia and you're, you're doing the, you know, putting the plan in place. You're trying everything you know how to do. You had worked in campus ministries before, so it's not like you didn't know what you were doing. What in the world led you to this place where you're like, Hey, I wanted to try this thing called movement, you know, mm -hmm. this, so I want to try something completely new. What was the journey that took you there? And Kevin, I think I might ask you to expound a little bit on where exactly you are and the context you're in and the same question for you too. So Justin, could you dive into that? What led yeah. you to, to see so that was, movement? Yeah. I mean, there was just a lot of um, <laughs> doing things that feel like you're running into a brick wall over and over slowly um, make you evaluate or <laughs> uh, think about is what we're doing actually effective. And there was... Um, a particular uh, student I met that particular day, he told me, Justin, I can't believe you just like, I can't believe you picked me to talk to today because I'm actually a Christian. And that was very shocking to me. Um, I didn't think he probably actually was, but maybe from a, a tr traditional religious background or something. We met up a couple of days later. He, the first thing he said to me was, Justin, can you tell me how I can help my friends know Jesus? I'm like, what is going on? I've never heard anyone say that. <laughs> I'm still not convinced. You know, I, I'm wondering where is he actually? Is he a follower of Jesus? I don't know. So I go through an outline of the gospel, the gospel message, and it becomes clear in our conversation he isn't a follower of Jesus from the things he's sharing with me. And he's even acknowledging that and admitting that. At the end of our conversation, I, I just said, you know, this, this is between you and God. It has nothing to do with me. But if you make this decision to follow Jesus, I think it's really important you tell someone. Five minutes later, after we walked away, he texted me and said, Justin, I made this decision. <clears throat> so I then am so excited. I invite him to come to one of our gatherings where we're trying to bring all these people together. <clears throat> he doesn't come. Guess how many times I've seen him or even got a text message back or anything, any communication from him. Zero, zero times. Mm. Wow. And so that was a moment where I'm like, I, Lord, I, of all the people, like you finally brought the right person and I, this isn't working. I'm done. <laughs> what are we? <clears throat> so that was kind of the, the uh, bottoming out point. I had heard of some other people in our country um, that were doing these disciple making movement things. I heard that they had stopped meeting as a, a community on Sunday mornings and we're meeting in people's homes. And I was like, that's pretty radical. I don't know. What, and I'm friends with this guy. So I thought I'm calling him, I'm driving to meet him and find out what's, what is going on. And so that's where I, through him, I first started learning about disciple making movements. That's great. All right, Kevin, let's come in tell us a little bit more about the the area in which you live, the circumstances in which you live, and kind of what led you to say, hey, disciple-making movements, man, because it's not like you go into a local library and pull that book right off the shelf and say, this is what I want to do. So what was that journey like for you? Thanks, Paul. Yeah, um, I live in um, one of the several refugee camps in Israel, Palestine, and mostly among Palestinian Muslims um, who have been refugees for three generations. And something I've seen here, as there are tons of more and more NGOs popping up in, in the region, uh, especially in the camp that I live, is that development without disciple-making just creates dependencies, and it doesn't create lasting change. And uh, I'm not the only one saying that. Mm. Um, there's sin issues in, in everyone, um, whether you're a victim of injustice or a perpetrator of injustice and mm -hmm. so what i'm seeing is that um, without a loyalty to something that transcends justice and injustice um there won't be lasting change mm. yeah wow wow and so that that's a great that's a great sentiment and that was stirring up in your heart for a little bit what led to how did you discover anything about movements i mean that's i'm just sitting there there's 
how God leads people on this journey always shocks me. And so I love to hear how you're, how that began for you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I kind of had two avenues into learning about movement and that was kind of confirmation for me that I should pay more attention. Um, one was through a colleague here who, who also lives in Israel and said, you got to check out CDM. It's all the rage. It's the only thing that works uh, in the <laughs> Middle East. Uh, and then another was actually through a church in Hawaii that I had gotten connected to. I've never been to, I've never met, I've met one person there, um, uh, connected through prayer and just in my steps towards seeking more of the kingdom. It's a charismatic church. And um, so I was getting training on how to seek uh, the signs and wonders more here. And what I was seeing was that even if some people were being healed or having life changing, what I would have thought would be life changing experiences, uh, they weren't bearing fruit that lasted. Hmm. Uh, so when I heard about disciple making movements, I was, uh, I was, I was looking for something that would have a last. Yeah. You know, and, and that's what we say in CDM and uh, disciple making movement is that we see fruit last because fruit that lasts are the things that replicate. And so, you know, we seek to have, make disciples who make disciples, not just people that sign up to a creed or come to our church or something. It's it's ones that turn around and make disciples. And so therefore, that's fruit that lasts. And uh, it's so great that you guys be a part of that. So, you know, one of the things that, you know, kind of unites the both of you is the fact that uh, is the fact that you're starting to apply these principles to what you're doing and you're seeing particular fruit. So what are some of the the biggest um, lessons that you, or the biggest principles that you've applied that you've been able to see a big change in and what you're doing? So if you think about the disciple making principles, what so far has made the biggest shifting point for you and seeing a uh, change happen or just seeing some breakthrough happen in what you're doing? Justin, you want to start? Sure. There's, I mean, it's been such a, a sweet gift from God to, to learn about disciple making uh, movements. I probably wouldn't be here still if, if I hadn't learned these things. I went from feeling so discouraged and frustrated. Now it's like every day we wake up, we know we're going to leave the house. We know we're going to meet people and there's always opportunities that God, God is providing. So I think maybe one of the, uh, the principles or, um, shifts, mindset shifts is instead of getting people, meeting spiritually open people and trying to get them to come to us, um, <clears throat> instead, just leaving them right where they are and not mm. extracting them out of their environment, um, mm -hmm. but uh, instead leaving them there and trying to help them identify who around them are, are spiritual seekers as well that and help them form groups among among their their friends, their family. And so, you know, before we were <clears throat> meeting different students or people from different pockets and trying to bring them together and it never would work. And it was so <laughs> frustrating. And now also because um, uh, disciple making these principles, they, they are for anyone from children, <laughs> literally children to I mean, even we're interacting with some people uh, like retired folks, early 80s, and anyone can be a part of this and anyone can do this. And so it's given me tools and paradigm and um, ways to, to journey with literally anyone I meet. You know, before maybe I would meet parents from our kids' school and it's like, well, this is awesome. We're having a nice conversation, but and I've maybe shared the gospel with you, but I'm not going to invite you to our student meeting. Like, that's just weird. Um, and so it was like, I don't really know how to, to journey with you. Or I don't know what to do. Um, and so now it's like literally anywhere, anyone, anytime it's, it's possible that we, it might be a person God is preparing that we can come alongside and, and journey with. And, and I love too, that it's, it's helping them, connect with God and hear from God. And it's not me teaching them something. It's me showing them where to go. It's teaching them how to open God's word and hear from him. But it's 
just this this idea of what helping them discover instead of me telling them what I think they need to know is it turns out God speaking to them is a lot better than me speaking to them. Yeah, well, yeah. it's strange how that works. Uh, yeah. But no, I, <laughs> as great as 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 good of a communicator as you are, Justin, you know, I do have to say that is such a a, a thing that can help. Tra- but both of the things you said really help transcend ben- barriers. Instead of trying to get them to come to us, we go to them and let the and disciple them where they are in the in the the community and the spaces and the places where they are, and then two, relying upon God's word to to do the majority of the discipling process in the sense of letting them be able to see plainly from the bible you know what does it say about god what does it say about man if this were if this were true how should i change and they're seeing it instead of us just telling them everything that starts transcending the barriers and gets people to own it and and it spreads so much better and all that that's such great stuff there justin how about you kevin what have you seen it is so hard to pick. Um, <laughs> but well, I will, you know, pick a couple. Me, you know, go ahead. Did, yeah. yeah. How did you read my mind, Paul? Um, <laughs> I, I will start with a confession. Um, before learning about CDM, um, I wasn't very good at evangelism or wasn't as committed to it as I wished I had been. Because I hadn't found a method of doing it that felt genuine to me and felt respectful of other people. And I know, Paul and Rebecca, you are not at all against the other methods. And so I don't want this to be taken out of context. But for me, you know, um, gospel presentations and four four steps to being a Jesus follower, those, whenever I tried, they felt like they were shutting down conversations and they ended some relationships for me. So Mm -hmm. it it was hard for me. Um, to see a potentially fruitful and loving way to evangelism. So what I call CDM to some of my friends is uh, a palatable evangelism that involves loving your neighbor at every step of the way and expressing myself um, honestly rather than um, through a framework that's kind of foreign to me and my So, So that's been one one big change that I'm just going to hop in just for it for people to know out there who may not understand what the a lot of the differences are. You know what we try to say in in disciple making movement is that you know we move we we change from these presentations to listening to people, seeing where how God is working in their hearts, what's valuable to them, and then connecting where in the Bible, where what stories in the Bible that connect with where they are, and being able to just say, so I heard the story the other day. That that is, I think, related to what you are saying. So what do you think about it? And it allows them to be able to see for themselves. And it's so much more conversational and applies to what they're going through. And you're not trying to drag them from barely thinking about God directly over to accepting him in that one moment. You're just trying to help them get into that next stage of the journey, the next stage of the journey, the next stage of the journey. And so, you know, I hear what you're saying, you know, if it's, it's all about meeting people where they are in and where, and, and trying to connect that with what God says about it. So great stuff there, Kevin. Sorry, just wanted to get, to get that out there for, for our viewers out there. What else? Yeah, thanks. Um, another big shift for me has been uh, the importance of mobilizing prayer. And I know we'll probably talk about that more too, but um, I've just seen time and time again when I the difference between uh, times I go out after asking people to pray for me and, and times that I've failed to do that. And the joys of the prayer calendar and um, being able to share the stories of what I'm doing with people. Uh, I think some of us might feel lonely in seeking movement in our different contexts and uh, call it a ideological loneliness. Nobody believes the movement is possible or Many people in my context don't believe any kind of change is possible. Um, so now at this point, um, through the CDM prayer page, through my own WhatsApp group and uh, mobilizing prayer through the prayer calendar, if I go out and I, I don't um, ask people to pray for me before I'm trying to have a discovery conversation or a conversation, it feels like I, I'm not wearing a watch. It feels like I'm not wearing my hat. I feel a, a little bit naked. 
That's a great way. Uh, that's a that's a great way of putting it. Um, and like and that. I'm about ready to wrap Justin in, but I want to come back to Kevin on this particular point of prayer because I'm about ready to ask you guys about prayer, um, and and how that's affected everything. But Kevin, you have been joining the CDM prayer page, the prayer meetings. You know, you've been joining us on our weekly prayer and fasting with the prayer and fasting guide and things like that. How have you felt that? first off these tools and then also just our community and also this, the investment in prayer has really kind of changed uh, or has helped in what you're doing. Yeah. It, it's made, made a world of difference um, to see people at different stages um, coming together every week and sharing stories and celebrating all the small steps, sometimes much bigger things than I'm seeing and sometimes smaller and reminding me that it's good to celebrate every step of the way. Uh, so the, the image I've been working with to keep me engaged in the community is like crossing, um, crossing a waterfall on a tightrope, doing something way more difficult, way more, way cooler than I ever thought I could even try. Um, and then having the community as um, kind of a balance or not a what's the support rope to catch me when I fall, keep me going one step at a time, keep me encouraged. I like that. I like that a lot. Awesome. Awesome. So Justin, how about you? Like how has uh, the different prayer practices that we've been saying as a part of movement and a part of, you know, what you've been hearing and coaching and things like that, how has that helped in your, your department? Yeah. <clears throat> Sorry. Got a cold. Um, you know, through this whole experience with learning about movements and specifically the importance of mobilizing prayer, I think one thing that this showed us was just how how much we didn't pray before. Um, you know, I think it's easy to to rely on ourselves, on our tools, on our strategy, and those those things don't hold much power, as we all know. And so, since we've um, over the last few years really uh, focused on our own personal prayer habits as a as a team and then expanded those and helping other people around us build their own prayer habits in their personal lives and mobilizing prayer um, for Slovenia. <clears throat> we, we've seen, we've seen things happen that we probably would have never seen um, before. And so it's been so encouraging and, <clears throat> you know, it's, it's, the ground is still hard. Um, the soil is, it's not like <laughs> there's, there is an abundant harvest. I believe it's true. Uh, Jesus told us it is. Um, but it's not like overnight, everything thawed out, but we are seeing things happen that we probably wouldn't have seen, um, before. And even right now we have, um, an online campaign, uh, through Facebook to find spiritually seeking people. But for this month of November, we've, we've really, um, focused on mobilizing even more for this specific project. And it's been fun because we have people from Australia to San Diego and going the whole way around, not just across the Pacific. Um, I mean, we have people everywhere praying and it's been so encouraging. They're encouraged. They, I, I really think they feel like we're a part of what God's doing in Slovenia, even though I have no idea where it's at or I would never go there, <laughs> but, and we're sharing stories with them and we're seeing things <coughs> I mean, just like the most, what appears as random <laughs> messages coming in or things not even to do with the campaign. Um, so it's, it's also, I think in our personal level, it's, it's taking the pressure off ourselves of um, one, maybe we've been humbled and come to more grips with the reality that we, we actually have very little to offer to this whole, um, the kingdom of God coming in Slovenia. It's really about him. So it's, it's um, humbled us and but also rightly um, focused us on him and trusting him. And so it feels like the pressure's off. We pray, we try to be obedient, be faithful, and, and he makes things happen. Well, you know, guys, I, I think based upon Justin, what you're saying there is that, you know, when we are this, this is why we focus so much upon prayer when it comes to movement and movements, we understand that it happens we have to actually go out and do things, right? We can't. We have to be able to go out and engage people and do ways that are effective. Like even Kevin, what he's saying is like whenever he gave a gospel presentation, seeing that people would just 
shut down. And so it does matter what we do, but at the same time, we have to be in prayer. So it's like somebody who's trying to lose weight and they're, they're exercising every day, but they don't, but they eat like, you know, 50 cupcakes a day. I mean, it's just like, you're not going, <laughs> you're not going to lose weight if you don't change your diet. And so, you know, that's the same way where it's like, we're not going to see a movement of God. We're not going to see any type of change in the lives of people around us if we don't take prayer and mobilizing prayer seriously. And this is why we have things like the CDM prayer page and the seat and, and help the people around us be able to develop prayer networks and do the prayer calendar, which helps create prayer network because we realize that it, this is a big task trying to mobilize that much prayer. So how do you do it? And how can we do that together? As we go through, as you said, you know, how can San Diego and Slovenia pray for one another? How can we around the world be in this kind of thing together? And that's why with CDM, we're wanting to this next year really focus on really even further developing these networks. We've done a lot of work this year, but wanting to be able to bring on like a, a prayer coordinator and a prayer strategist in order to be able to help us do that. So we want to be able to work on that way. Now, guys, I want to be able to tell you uh, this is the, the the centerpiece of why we're bringing you guys on is that we know that there has been some help, some positive uh, momentum forward as you have created cross-cultural teams. So in other words, as you have been able to partner with local believers, you know, Traditional missions is very much the idea of we send the outsiders in and they do all the work of trying to, uh, you know, reach the people. But what DMM says is, yes, have some outside leaders, but they partner with near cultural leaders. So in other words, local believers there to be able to find, uh, you know, p persons of peace who are lost out in the community to get ends with the lost community. So we, it starts by, cre by creating partnerships with, you know, local believers there. And so I'd love to be able to hear from you guys. Uh, and Paul, you want to add to that? Yeah, I know. And both of you are at different stages in your journey and applying these principles too. So Kevin, we know that you're just getting started in applying in, in the idea of finding and raising up those teams of brothers and sisters from the region to be working with you. And then Justin, we know that you've been, you've always had a diverse team uh, and everything, but really just within the last, I would think about a year, year and a half, we've really started to see more Slovenians join the team itself and seen some interesting breakthroughs as a result of that. So both of you are here to kind of bookend that different process and what that looks like. So uh, Kevin, I'm going to actually have you go first on this one, then, then come into Justin. Talk to us a little bit about what it looks like to raise up those people. Where are some success and step backs? What's been that process for you in identifying and raising up that team? Yeah, yeah. Thanks uh, very much in, in the midst of, identifying and developing that team. And so far from, from what we've talked about in coaching, what I've been trying to do is um, invite people to take one step with me. So whether that's starting the prayer calendar, whether that's fasting at least once, uh, or whether that's sharing something we were reading with a friend. Um, so I have, I feel like I have different irons in the fire there. And hopefully once more of us are doing prayer calendar or more on board with the the DMM discipleship evangelism gathering uh, in separate spaces. But so far I've been trying to go uh, just like as I am with people who are lost, go where they are, share, uh, share stories, share from the Bible, share what I'm seeing and doing and uh, inviting people to come along. Yeah. What I like about what you said is that to share what I'm doing, we find a lot of missionaries and Westerners, when they go into the context, they come in with the idea of I'm a trainer. I'm going to go from indigenous church to indigenous church or, or organization to organization, and I'm going to train them how to do this within their context. But what I like about what you're doing, Kevin and Justin as well, um, that you guys are both like, no, wait a second. This is who I am. I'm doing this. And then I am going in and sharing those stories and inviting other people to do this with me uh, along in the process. And that's been that's been significant. And Kevin, in your case, still looking for those teammates to do it. But if we want to talk about 
highlighting something, the beginning of raising up an indigenous team is being a practitioner yourself, whether that's in the United States, Israel, or Slovenia. It has to begin with the being the practitioner part. The second part is as you're doing it, you are now getting and generating local stories that you can begin you can begin sharing to others. You're identifying what baby steps worked for you within that context and are sharing them with others and looking for those that will that will catch and will be adopted by the people and begin to uh, begin to gain fruit. And so there's always that that gaining of fruit, which means also you have to be spending a lot of time, a lot of time with people who are from the area. Uh, I grew up as a missionary kid. And so I can, I can say this with some authority. That there are two kinds of missionaries. There's the missionary that hangs out with other missionaries. And there's the missionary and other, other people from other countries. And then there's the missionaries that look and say, my primary, uh, my primary mission field is this group right here. And I'm going to spend the majority of their my time with them. And when I know, and I know both of you from coaching, that's something that you've done as well as you've been, uh, in everything as I'm teasing out some of the things. Is there anything you want to add to that, Kevin? And then we'll go to, go to Justin. Um, just add, um, I've been encouraged when I, as I have eventually started meeting people who do want to see more effective means of evangelism, discipleship. And so I'm still learning best ways to present those as a cross-cultural worker. Um, but the signs of hope are, are there. And I'm eagerly waiting for God to bring that. Yeah, that's great. I love that. Like the signs of hope are there. I'm still figuring out, but the people are there and they've been looking for somebody who's been looking for them. And I think that that's a really, that's really, really important. Not just someone who thinks they're going to do it for them. Uh, Justin, I'm going to come over to you and talk about uh, that raising up that team and what difference it's made uh, within your context. Yeah. And so Kevin, what you shared, I would say is exactly what, how we started. You know, I think some people, uh, get excited about disciple making movements and then they go and try and get everyone to come and do it, but they haven't started doing it. And so in our, in our context, um, as we were practitioners and like Paul mentioned, how, what, when we were starting to see God do some things and then be able to share those stories with, with local uh, followers, it, it opened their eyes, it encouraged them. It made them probably even think, Hmm, that, that seems pretty profound, but simple. Like, I think I could, I could maybe do that. And so helping them just like what you're doing, Kevin, of starting with some just very simple first steps and let them get a taste and let them see that God is working. And then they come back for the next and then they come back for the next. And it's, <clears throat> it's really fun. And so I forget what the question is or what I'm supposed to be talking about exactly, but, uh, Adding, right. adding the indigenous team members to your team and the difference that it's made since you've done that. Yeah. And so it turns out um, the, the local people know their local culture a lot better than, than I do coming from <laughs> rural Indiana. And so they, they just, they know, um, they know the culture. They, they know people like they've lived here their whole life. Like, <laughs> My hometown, okay, our cultures work a little bit different, but they're just so much more connected. Like their relatives are here. Their neighbors from childhood are here. Their schoolmates. Mm -hmm. I don't have any of those people. So it takes me way longer to build relationships. Um, so their uh, their connectedness to, to lost people is they're just, they're a lot uh, closer to them. They're, they have closer relationships. Um, they're, <coughs> I think... Uh, people can be a little skeptical of a, of an outsider of like, Oh, this is, you're an American. Of course you're follow Jesus or you're a Christian. Like that's a Christian nation. Right. Um, and so I think when uh, it's a local um, sharing or journey, you know, doing the work, um, the ministry, the living out these principles, this lifestyle, it's a lot more powerful for the not yet follower because it's like, I, I can relate to this guy because his, the story he's sharing with me, that's kind of describing my life right now. Um, so also their, you know, their, their language is perfect. Uh, I can speak the local language, but 
sometimes I say really funny things and don't mean to. So there, you know, <laughs> even today we went to another part of the country because there was someone there that we met. Um, and so we were going to, they, they wanted us to come and meet with them. And the two, two of the local believers on our team, uh, they went and met with them. I, I didn't meet this person. I don't need to meet this person. It was really fun to hear them on the car ride home, speaking in their language, talking about, oh, you know, evaluating and uh, debriefing how God is at work in this person. Um, so <coughs> I think, you know, just I have a belief and I think oh, you guys will 100% agree with me. Sometimes I, I share this with people, other believers here, and they look at me like, I, I think you're crazy. But I have a belief that all the resources are in the within the country. God has them all here. He doesn't need all this funding from the U.S. or wherever. He doesn't need all these outside workers. Oh, yeah, there's a role for the outsider to, to catalyze something. Um, sure, but all the all the workers, all the laborers, all the it's all here. Um, they don't yet know who Jesus is. They're still in the harvest, um, but all the resources are here, and they're they're way more um, effective. They're well, they're far better positioned to reach their own people instead of um, all these outsiders, foreigners coming in. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, you're right. I like how you, I like how you put that, Justin, that, that they already know the people, they have the connections and all of that. And if I remember correctly from coaching, we started it when, when your team began to have more and more Slovenians on it, that's when we started to see uh, discovery Bible studies, not just start themselves, but also begin to multiply into now second generation uh, type studies and everything too. So that's been a huge part of, of everything and, uh, and what we've been, what we've been doing. So I think that that's been, um, that is huge. So just to let you guys know that, you know, we're working with people all over the world, people like Justin, people like Kevin. We also have a couple of other friends of ours. We have uh, a, a friend of ours named Tim, who's working in Guinea, and uh, and he is working with the indigenous peoples. And, and his team is comprised of people from Muslim backgrounds. And so uh, he goes out with them. In fact, some of the Discovery Bible studies that he's working with right now are actually led by people who still identify as Muslim. Muslim imams, because they just haven't come to that part of the journey yet that uh, where they've given their life to Jesus. And so that's that's pretty, pretty cool that that's happening. And then we have Deb, who is in Senegal, and uh, they've been able to one of the things that Deb did that I loved about, you know, creating that disciple making team, that disciple making community there. And she said, all right, uh, I want to see unity happen between multiple uh, missionary organizations. And so she has a disciple-making community comprised of workers from multiple organizations now working together. But then she sits there and goes, all right, but we want local people to feel equal in this room. And that's hard to do when you got a bunch of people who are highly educated, highly training, speak, trained, speaking English, which is a foreign language to that context. And so she said, in order to make this work, all of us have to do the, the our entire disciple-making community meeting in the local language. Which is Wolof. Which is Wolof. And what that did is it sat there and it leveled that playing field. And now the local believer leader that they have came in and then Deb would come to me and ask me a question like, hey, what do we do with the fact that when we try to go out and ask people what their needs are, they see us as an ATM so going, well, we need money. Give us money. You're Americans. You have money. Give us money. And so I said, well, Deb, go to the local leader and ask him what they do to meet each other's needs. And then he, they, that, so that began a conversation now where they could come in, he could come in and contribute and now help all the local, the, the foreign workers understand the culture better. And it elevated him as an expert. And then they began to work together. And guess what? When he goes out in the villages and looks to meet people's needs, nobody asks him for money because he's not American. And so there's a barrier now that wasn't even in existence because we're working with indigenous people. So this idea that the, the metric of success 
of the foreign missionary, the catalyst, the outsider. We need them. But the metric of success is, are they modeling it within the context? And are they raising up the indigenous team? Because one day, you know, they may have to return to their passport country, whether because of funding or because of, a, of, of whatever life experiences and things like that. And if they can return to their passport country and know with full confidence that not only will the work continue, but it will grow and do better once they've left, then we as foreign workers have done our jobs. And that's pretty cool. So guys, right before we let you go, I want to give you some the last word on some things. If you could tell anybody out there who's thinking about whether or not to help, uh, you know, either is thinking about disciple making movement and how that applies to their cross-cultural context and stuff like that. You know, what is the thing that you, the one thing you would say to them or the one thing you would want them to know at least as you're doing that? Who wants, who wants to start? I want to give you guys kind of the final word on the subject. I, I'm trying to remember the Winnie the Pooh quote, but I, I won't be able to recall it fully, but I would say you can do immeasurably more than, than you think. And your impact can be much longer lasting than, than anything you probably thought of before. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. That's great. Justin. Yeah, I'd probably say something similar that, you know, I, I have the role or the title of missionary and I actually don't like that because it, uh, creates i don't know people have thoughts about it, it makes it look like oh this is what the missionary does but no <clears throat> you know jesus he called ordinary people and we're all ordinary people but ordinary people in the hands of an almighty god amazing things can happen and he want, he really does want to use you and it's it, there's apart from knowing him there's no greater pleasure joy thrill than seeing him work through you so get in the game. It's, it's, it's not easy. It's simple, but it's, it's not easy. It is hard, but man, the reward is, is so amazing. And, and people around you don't know Jesus and they're far from him and they, God's positioned you there to, to be a light, to, to help these people. And so, yeah, get in the game. It's, 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 simple it's not easy but man the reward the joy of watching god work in you through you there's there's nothing like it so that's i guess that's what i would say you know um yeah this is really something that um is is really great things to say guys and, and i want to say that here at cdm that we've been we have loved absolutely walking alongside you in this journey and being able to be a part of your stories you know we actually want in CDM to be friends. That is actively what we tell people when they start with us. We want to say, we, we have people look at each other. It's like, we want you to be friends in this journey together because that's what it takes. And so, you know, um, guys, we are, we are just so glad to have you as a part of our community and to uh, be walking alongside you to be able to see these things happen. And we rejoice in the fruit that God gives um, and, and through your lives. And when you succeed, we consider we succeed too, because of that. So thanks so much, guys. Thank you for joining us this particular session. We'll see you soon because we're, we're friends and we talk all the time. So Don't check your calendars, <laughs> make sure that it's open because December gets busy. So love yes. you guys. You're awesome. Thank you for being here. And Contagious Disciple Making is a nonprofit organization. And we do what we do because people like you uh, choose to give. That people like you choose to join us and, and to come alongside and say, we want to participate financially so that together we can bear the fruit that you're talking about. And for those of you who've been a part of our community and have given, you know, you've heard from Kevin, you've heard from Justin, you heard about Tim and Deb, you've met other people throughout. All of them are part of the fruit of your investment in Contagious Disciple Making. And we hope that you would come to our, our Wednesday prayer gatherings so you can hear the stories of all the people and celebrate it and everything else. And if you haven't been able to give before, then this is a great opportunity to get involved. We're looking for 300 partners who'd be in, interested in 
having a share of what we do. Uh, and we're asking them to give $100 a month. We love those monthly donations because they help us to budget, they help us to plan and to be good stewards of the money that you have given us. It's really hard to hire someone um, <laughs> because it's really hard to hire someone if we can't plan for it because we don't want to sit there and bring someone in and, and hire them and, and get their family all excited about joining us in the kingdom and then have to let them go three months down the road because the money isn't there. So monthly, monthly giving uh, through our app, through our website is one of the ways that we know that that is coming in and we can be good stewards of the money that both is being given to us and of the people that God is leading our way. Now, uh, Rebecca, do you have anything you want to add to that? Yes, I do. Because one of the reasons why we want to be able to see uh, what we're hoping to see happen is to taking our prayer mobilization to that next level. But it's already something we do at CDM. We work through all of our the people that we coach to learn simple steps on how to be able to mobilize prayer movement. We also do prayer meetings online for globally and then also weekly and our uh, weekly prayer and fasting that we do together and also our CDM prayer page. If you are not on our CDM prayer page, you need to be. So how do you do that? One, you download the app. Uh, so you got to get onto our CDM uh, app to be, a, I mean, you don't have to, you could also go to Facebook, but the, it's the easiest way to download our app and get on there. And there's a CDM app button that is inside of there that you just click and you can be a part of our prayer. On our prayer page this past year, we have seen it grow. And so now there are hundreds and hundreds, uh, I think over 1200 people right now uh, from all around the world that are on this page that are actively posting prayer requests and prayers for each other on a daily basis. This past year, we have had over 1,100 prayers that were posted over the entire year uh, when it comes to, to, to saying Great Commission, Great Commandment work for everywhere. And, and there were over 7,600 reactions to those particular ones. Now, when I, so, but I want to give you this next number because this is what we really celebrate at CDM. There are over 2,700 prayers that were written in the comments in those particular ones. And that was just about, you know, that that's even just, ha that's still a running number. We're still writing prayers to, to fill up this, you know, those 2,700 prayers, this is what we value. We say, hey, in our CDM prayer page, we don't just say praying for you. Don't just say hit, hit the like button. We say write out your prayers so that it can be encouraging to other people. And so to realize that over a third of our reactions are written prayers to people is incredibly valuable. And what we want to mm -hmm. do moving forward is our 714 initiative that is really going to be here at CDM taking our prayer mobilization to the next level. And what we're going to need is we're going to need a prayer coordinator, prayer strategist, and a prayer team to be able to help work with our partners to be able to create this prayer, these prayer communities and prayer habits and prayer network and all that we do. And so um, we need help to be able to do that. And, part, and that is what part of your support will be able to come and help us in. I'm Paul Watson, and this is Rebecca Ewing, and you've been listening to the CDM Podcast. Like, share, five-star rate, and review this podcast. You can listen to our full premium content by becoming a $5 a month supporter on our Patreon page. That's patreon.com slash faithworks, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash faithworks, or click on the link in the description. Thanks for listening to the CDM Podcast. For coaching or other resources, connect with us at contagiousdisciplemaking.com or download the Contagious Disciple Making app. Join us in the journey of becoming world-changing disciple makers.